When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the College Football Playoff Show Q&A, where Doug Maurice and Shahan J. Haraja answer questions about the playoff and its contenders from subscribers. This is where you guys ask questions and Shahan and I ask them of each other. If you want to be part of this, you drive this pod. Dollar a month, try a tech subscription. You send a text to this number, 817-442-6789. You get a little thing back. Hey, here's how to sign up. You get a 14-day free trial to see what you think, ask a couple questions, get a couple tidbits in your phone, participate in the survey when we ask, should a team be part of our playoff discussion or not? And you're in it. And we have eight questions from those people today, Shahan. And they're just going to get more interesting as we start to get into camps and job battles and how are people looking. You know, this is only going to get better. I mean, honestly, we're talking about the playoff in July when nothing is happening. We do have media days starting up, so that's going to start driving it. So we're right at the start of this. It's starting to get rolling, but we're only going to get more tech subscribers. We're only going to get more information. There's going to be more stuff happening in college football, and these questions are going to get more and more interesting. But we have a good round of eight, Shahan. So let's start with that. What is question number one that you have for me? All right. This one is from Matt. Hey, Doug, after their playoff drubbing last year and that big SI article on Clemson sign stealing, would it be safe to assume that some teams will now be ready to take away that huge Brent Venables defensive edge? Could that have been a reason that Clemson has punched above the recruiting weight the last several years, and now that everyone is onto them, might this spell a downturn for them? You know, it's really interesting, right? That was a really interesting story. Uh, Having covered Ohio State sort of leading into that, the Ohio State coaches were sort of saying some stuff, kind of dancing around that. I would not go too far with that, though. That was Justin Fields. That was Chris Olave. That was Garrett Wilson. That was Trey Sermon. There were a lot of things happening. That was a pretty darn good Ohio State offense last year. And I don't know that it was up to the talent level. I was certainly on the defensive line for Clemson last year. It wasn't that it had been a couple years before, right? I mean, it's I, I, I wouldn't give up on Brent Venables yet. So, you know, sign stealing, what is adjusting? What is people figuring you, you know, like, I think there's a lot of gray area in there, Shahan. Do you sort of agree with that? I mean, this is not, I don't think this is like, well, that's it. Brent Venables has been figured out and Clemson's going to give up 50 a game, right? We're not there. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, Every team in college football is trying their best to get an advantage by any means necessary. And listen, you can point to, you know, whatever stuff is happening, you know, sort of off field for for Brent Venables. But uh, a big part of the reason that he's had good defenses before is because he's had Dexter Lawrence play for him and had Isaiah Simmons play for him. So unless they're going to stop, because one thing that's kind of referenced and that is, you know, punching above their recruiting weight. Well, no, they've had good players that they've done a great job of developing. Now, Certainly, Brent Venables, like any defensive coordinator, needs to find a way to stay ahead of the curve, right? And and football is moving in an offense direction, but but no, I I don't think that Clemson has been figured out by any means. There is a fine line between continuity and staleness. I think I don't think Clemson's there, 
with Brent Venables. I think him staying and waiting for the perfect head coaching job, kind of like Kirby Smart did for a long time at Alabama to wait out that Georgia job. You're not going to leave unless it's a top 10 head coaching job. You know, Nick Saban at Alabama does it one way. Um, They just rotate coordinators in and out. Clemson's done it the other way on both sides of the ball. Tony Elliott's been really valuable to them for a long time. Brent on the offensive side, Brent Venables is really valuable to them on the defensive side. You know, if you come back and when Brent Venables leaves, if we want to start asking questions about what does that mean for the Dabo dynasty at Clemson, that's a very reasonable question. But I, as long as he's there, they have something that most places don't. And so I think that's real. You can recruit to a style of defense. I think when they go out and recruit, that continuity is a selling point. They've sort of built a family atmosphere. They know how that defense wants to play. And there's a pretty good loop right now. And they did, in the beginning, they did it without top 10 recruiting classes. And now they started recruiting even better talent to that defense. So I don't think that's it. I think that was Justin Fields being Justin Fields, a lot of it. I don't think that was Brent Venables getting figured out. But I, no, I was going to say, I hate that, Shaha, when it's like, we have an opinion, but who knows? We could be wrong. And by the way, time will tell is my thing. When people say only time will tell, I always say like, you mean the passage of time? You mean in the future, like when time passes and the thing happens, then we'll figure it out. That's called existence. You don't know what's going to happen. Then the thing happens. Go, go. Every sports story I've read in my life that the ending is like, only time will tell. It's like, oh, you mean the world as, as life, as we know it functions, that we don't know what the future is. And then the future becomes the present and the present becomes the past. And that's your analysis. So I almost caught myself saying, I, w- I would never say only time will tell, because if I say time will tell, I'm done. I'm firing myself as a podcaster and sports writer. <laughs> but I almost said like, hey, you never know. But that's not the point. Nobody knows anything. <laughs> we, Our opinion is Brent Venables has not been figured out. Stop. End point. There's no but at the end of that. Speaking of the passage of time, let's move on to number two. <laughs> Speaking... Doug, Doug, now Doug's like in a time-space continuum talking about <laughs> how how time itself works. Doug, it's a sports podcast. Shut your hole. College football playoff uh, committee member Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This one for Shahan is from Elijah Hicks in Wilmington, Delaware. What is the next case for a conference champ to miss the playoffs and a non-champion from the same conference to make the playoffs like Ohio State did in 2016? That's the only time we've seen it, Shahan. Ohio State lost the head-to-head to Penn State, but Penn State had one, had two losses that year. Ohio State only had one. Penn State goes and wins the Big Ten title. Ohio State doesn't even go to the Big Ten title game. Ohio State gets in the playoff as a three seed. Penn State is the five seed, does not make it, goes to the Rose Bowl and loses to Sam Darnold. When's the next time or the next time that it could happen or even has a chance of happening? I think that certainly you have to look at the SEC. And I think that the two things that I'll mention is uh, is there's those programs with the credibility, right? Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, you know, Oklahoma to some extent. It's going to probably have to be one of those teams if this is ever going to happen again. Certainly, I think that you think that uh, that Alabama has an inside shot if they go 11-1 no matter what else happens. Uh, but I think Ohio State also certainly has a very good case of that because like you mentioned, they have some teams that maybe could beat them and still not make the college football playoff. Uh, but but certainly, I think that Alabama or Ohio State are maybe the only teams that you would feel confident can do that. The thing that I, I'm trying to think about this, Shahan, and 
I don't know that we have had in the playoff era like the giant earth-shaking title game upset that sort of flips the playoff on his head. That 2016 example is you win the regular season matchup, Penn State, you knock the team out, they're sitting home, but they still make it. That was a mistake. I mean, the one thing is I think the committee made a mistake that year. I said it at the time. I know that Penn State had two losses, and Ohio State only had one, but Penn State had won the head-to-head. They won the conference championship. I thought that mattered, and I thought that overcame the fact that Ohio State had one fewer loss. I think they made a mistake, and I think they may have learned from it. So, I, And then, by the way, Ohio State goes and gets blown off the field by Clemson and loses 31 nothing. and Penn State plays a really competitive Rose Bowl, and I think you would look at that and say, I think Penn State was the better team. They won the head-to-head, and they were the better team. I think this is right. I think I covered the very first Big 12 title game. I did. At the Trans World Dome in St. Louis for the 1996 season, Nebraska was the number three team in the country and lost to Texas that year, unranked Texas, 37-27. And it was like a huge upset. And if you have, like, we haven't had that, right? We haven't had that, like an unranked team. Like if Ohio State goes to, the Big Ten title game and loses to like uh, the team that's like 19th in the country. And then all of a sudden, that's where it would happen, Shahan. But I'm almost surprised in the first seven years we haven't had that. Yeah. And listen, uh, if the passage of time continues, maybe that'll happen again. Is that your thing now when you want me to shut up? It's like, <laughs> just drop the passage of time. That means keep your answers shorter, Doug. You're, you're eating into my future. All right. I get it. Question number three. All right. This one is for Doug. What is the path for Oregon, USC, or anyone else in the Pac-12 to get to the playoff? Any scenario where Oregon and USC both make the playoff? That's from Chris in Austin. Shout out to the Texans. I don't think they both can make it, right? I mean, again, we're talking about the idea that the Pac-12's only made it twice in seven years. The first time Oregon was a really good team, lost to Ohio State in the national title game. And then the second time Washington was just probably not really at a playoff level. They were fine. So I don't know. I think somebody's going to have to win a non-conference game. I'm not saying Oregon has to beat Ohio State, but I think Washington might have to beat Michigan again. Michigan's not that great. Michigan might be seven and five. But somebody's got to do something because as we've talked about, and I think we're going to talk about a lot on this podcast, Shahan, there's the, you absorb stuff from people. So somebody in the Pac-12 has to do something so somebody else can absorb it. Either you get a win that makes people notice or you get a win that makes people notice and then somebody beats you and they absorb that from you. So USC also has the chance against Notre Dame. If Oregon, Washington, and USC all lose a non-conference game, I think the Pac-12 is out because it's going to be like, all right, well, great. You're a champ. But like, what does that mean? You guys can't beat anybody. So I do think those three games, somebody's got to win something so that somebody can prove something and then somebody can maybe absorb it, right? I just, I, I think that's a one of those three games is a must win. Right, I mentioned this a little on the free show, right? The, the thing that the Pac-12 does not have is the teams with implicit credibility, right? And so yes. if you are an SEC team and you want to make the playoff, the path is in front of you. If, you, if you're in the ACC and you go 11-1 and one and beat Clemson, you're going to have a shot. There's not the equivalent of that in the Pac-12. And so, listen, if, if you go undefeated and you're an undefeated Power 5 Conference champion, you're going to make the college football playoff. I don't see a scenario short of five undefeated conference champions that that does not happen. Uh, but 
if you have a loss, yeah, I think you're right. You know, Oregon doesn't necessarily have to beat USC or beat Ohio State, rather, but I think that they have to be really, really close, and Ohio State has to be as good as we think that they are. You know, if you're uh, if you're USC, you have to win that game on the road at Notre Dame, and obviously you need to, to finish with one or fewer losses to really even have any shots. They have to build up that credibility one way or another, and they just they don't have it right now. Next question from John Farrell. It's not really a question. We're going to make it a question. I can't believe USC isn't in the playoff more often. It's a recruiter's dream for a good coach. It's a winning tradition. And so it's kind of like, like, why aren't they? I do think it's interesting. I said something about like Texas's tradition and they're a great program and they've always been. And you were, you like kind of slid in a little thing that was like, oh, great. I'll go tell Texas that they're an all-time great program. They've only been that good for like an eight-year stretch. I think we're going to have good Texas discussions on this podcast. But Shahan, this is a USC question for you. Does that apply to USC or or to you? Is USC a, a blue blood and should be a blue blood and should be in the playoff picture every year? They're certainly a blue blood. I mean, being a blue blood is about so much more than just winning on the field. I mean, it's about all of the factors. The thing that I'll say, right, is, you know, we mentioned I'm 27 years old, right? I remember Matt Liner. I remember Reggie Bush. and kids who are being recruited in this recruiting class were one and two years old when USC was winning national titles. So listen, they've got that credibility. They've got that history. They got all that stuff. But I don't think that's implicitly, you know, tradition's great, but if it's not recent tradition, how much does that really matter in terms of recruiting kids today? Now, I think that certainly USC, like with Texas, like with Alabama back in the early 2000s, like with Ohio State, like with whatever else, if they get the right guy to direct that program in the right direction, I'm not, I mean, listen, I, I don't think that we think that Clay Helton's that guy, but I think he's made some good decisions over the past two years or so. Uh, you know, if they get that guy who sort of aligns everything, certainly there's always a pathway for USC to be one of those types of teams, but, but you are fighting against a lot of factors that, uh, that I think are much bigger picture in college football. I mean, people are leaving the state of California. You know, Arizona is being the recipient of that. Texas is being the recipient of that. Uh, Idaho is being the recipient of that, right? So, so you're losing sort of that stranglehold on talent that I think you had at one time. Uh, and I think that certainly, I mean, USC is a private school that, that I think is sort of unique. I mean, Notre Dame has that too, but it's a complication, I think, versus some other schools. So certainly USC, any moment, I think you always have to say they can flip a switch. They, you know, something can happen. But we said that about Alabama for decades before Nick Saban finally got there. We said that about Texas before Mac Brown finally got there. We've said that about Nebraska at this point. We've said that about Michigan. You know, there's this is not a unique situation that uh, that you don't have that alignment between coaches, players, administration, boosters. That's something that's very difficult to find. All right. Next question. What you got? All right. If Ohio State goes 13-0, will that be enough to get them the number one seed for the first time? That's from Alex in Hollidaysburg, Pennsylvania. No. So in the seven-year history of the playoff, the one seeds have been Alabama four times, Clemson twice, and LSU once. And I don't, I think still, so it's not really about Ohio State because it's when you start comparing stuff. So if Ohio State's the only undefeated team and everybody else has one loss, would Ohio State be the one seed? Maybe, but I don't think it's a guaranteed yes. You know, if if it's Ohio State and Oklahoma and how good is Oklahoma's schedule and they're the two undefeated teams, would Ohio State be the one seed? Maybe, 
but I don't think it's a guaranteed yes. I still think the the SEC has such juice and that you can find good losses there. I just don't know if the rest of the Big Ten right now is still good enough for an Ohio State 13-0 and to be worthy of the number one seed in the eyes of the committee. They don't play Wisconsin. They don't play Iowa. They don't play Northwestern, who might be the three best teams in the West. How good are Penn State and Michigan and Indiana really going to be if, if you're undefeated, but those are your wins and you win one win in the Big Ten championship game, how good is Oregon? You know, is if Oregon's the Pac-12 champ, that helps. But I still just think there's a scenario where it, it might have to be only if they're the only undefeated team. Somebody bites up, somebody bites Oklahoma, Clemson loses to Georgia, the SEC kind of all beats each other up and they're the only undefeated team. Then, but still, as I'm only a maybe because I still could see a scenario where a 12 and one Georgia or a 12 and one Alabama, whoever the SEC or a Texas A&M or an LSU, whoever that SEC champ is with one loss is going to still maybe have two or three wins that are better than Ohio state's best win. And I think the committee will look at that. You know, we saw that with Florida state in the very first playoff, they were undefeated and they were the three seed. So I do think that's a good thing about the committee. It's not only a record. And I just don't know if, if the big 10 is good enough right now to make anybody in that conference a one seed. Yeah, I, I think that I'll push back a little bit. One, because I think that Ohio State has one of the clearest paths to 13-0. and And I think that, you know, Oklahoma would probably be that other team. I, I certainly think that unless Oklahoma is tremendously dominant, Ohio State would be a higher priority one seed over Oklahoma if both were 13-0. and uh, And because the thing is too, right, if you go 13-0, and you are assuming, of course, beating all the all the teams on your schedule. You're also assuming playing a, a team from the West that's probably top 15-ish. Uh, you're assuming obviously beating Oregon, who I think is going to be at least a top 25 team. And I think that the one type of one-loss team that you – certainly, like you mentioned, is an SEC team that you do have to keep an eye out for. I don't know if there's that dominant team this year, right? Because Georgia Georgia certainly is going to have a chance to go and play Alabama or Texas A&M in the SEC title game, and, and beating them if they have one loss would be certainly more than enough to get them in. But the rest of their schedule is fine. You know, the rest of their schedule is okay. Alabama, certainly, if they're if they're a one-loss team, I think they'll have priority. Texas A&M, I, I think that that's the same sort of question, right? Where Texas A&M versus Ohio State, does the committee give more credibility to what Ohio State has done long-term? Because I think that's been something that we've seen. So there's a path. I, I don't think that it's a lock by any means, but I, I think that Ohio State, with the mix of how hard everybody else's path is versus priority probably over, I think, Oklahoma and Clemson if both of those teams are 13-0. I, I think there's a chance. I just think about that Texas A&M-Alabama winner. So the winner of that game, if the winner of that game goes undefeated, they're the one seed. So that's that's a given. Yes. So now, okay, so then Ohio yeah. State, if the winner of that game goes undefeated, Ohio State can't be the one seed. Okay, so then what has to happen? Okay, so the winner of that game has to lose another game. But then you're still going to be the SEC champ. So you're either going to have like one loss Georgia as an SEC champ or a one loss winner of that game who then lost to LSU or lost to Ole Miss or something else, right? But then if, so say Texas A&M beats Alabama, loses to LSU, but then beats Georgia. So Texas A&M is going to be 12 and one with wins over Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State's going to be 13 and 0. I think Texas A&M would be the one seed, right? So that's like, or if Alabama does it to Texas A&M, like, right, I just... I think there's enough. What's the word you keep using? I lose words sometimes. That's the credibility. There's credibility. so much credibility that there's yeah. multiple teams in the SEC that are going in with credibility, and somebody has to win those games. I just think that might trump whatever a 13 and 0 Ohio State looks like. 
Well, and, and not to get to the weeds, though, right? Because I, I think that you certainly do have to ask then if if Alabama loses to Texas A&M, are we assuming that they're eleven and one, right? I mean, maybe this is sort of the year that Alabama goes ten and two, or God forbid, nine and three, right? So I think that all matters too. I think that's a good point. All right, we'll do some more questions from our tech subscribers again. If you guys want to be part of it, I know sometimes I think people are like, "Stop with the phone number; it's a dollar." I don't know what else to do. I, I would like try to just send it to you telepathically, but my brain doesn't work that way. 817-442-6789. Send a text. You get to ask us questions. We'll be back on the College Football Playoff Show. All right, Shahan, when we did a little uh, ad for this show, one of the things that I said is uh, we're not going to talk about name, image, and likeness because, <laughs> because I don't find it to be that interesting. Uh, good luck to everybody. Yeah. But sometimes name, image, and likeness matters for the playoff. So that is the window. And that is what this question is about. It's from Christopher O'Connor. What are your top five teams that aren't blue bloods who will benefit the most from name, image, and likeness? Could anyone in football become what Gonzaga has become in basketball? And that matters because if you think there is a team like that, then all of a sudden they're going to be in the playoff mix. What's your answer? Sure. So I think that what you're looking for, I'm not going to list the top five, I, you know, whatever, we can do it some other time. But uh, what, what you're looking for, I think, for the teams that will benefit the most from it are teams that are the biggest show in town, where you're not competing with pro sports, uh, where you're not competing with even other college sports. And so, you know, one team that kind of came to mind pretty quickly for me was Iowa, mm. actually. You know, Iowa, you are competing with Iowa State, certainly, but but this is a program that, you know, they are the biggest show in town. You know, there's a culture around this program in the state of Iowa. There's a culture, specifically, one thing that we've seen is around the offensive linemen in the state of Iowa, right? We've already seen them get some ads, which has been pretty cool. And, and in a similar vein, I think Arkansas, right? Like these are teams that this is the pro sport in town. I mean, both of us live in pro sports towns. Uh, you know, it's it's difficult. You know, if you're TCU right now, well, you're competing with the Cowboys, right? If you're, uh, you know, if you're whoever else, you're competing with, you know, if you're the University of Houston, you're competing with the Texans. That's difficult. I think that with Iowa and with Arkansas, those are two teams that jump out to me. Not necessarily as teams that are going to jump into the playoff mix by any means, but but teams that I think could potentially have some big windfalls just because, again, they are the biggest show in town. I, when I talked about name image like this before it happened, I was much more keyed in on the teams in bigger cities, like the University of Minnesota. I thought, hey, like Minnesota, Minneapolis is compared to East Lansing or West Lafayette or Iowa City, it's a much bigger city. But to that point, as you said, you're competing with the Vikings and the North Stars, not the North Stars. Again, every now and then, I'm just going <laughs> to say stuff from 1980. I just, I can't help it. I, that's what I do. Again, Mike Schmidt and the Minnesota North Stars, that's what we'll be talking about this week. That's why our audience is just exploding. Hey, hey, teenagers, do you want to listen to a podcast with a guy who talks about the Minnesota North Stars? Ay, ay, ay. So the Timberwolves, the Vikings, the Twins, right? I mean, it, it is like no matter what Minnesota football is, it's like the fifth thing in town. So I may have misread that because I was just like, man, that's going to be big. Like, where would you rather go? You know, who are you gonna have more, who's going to have more opportunities, West Lafayette or Minneapolis? And actually, it might be West Lafayette. So I'll be curious I still have a hard time. It's like, great. Yes, those guys can get endorsements. I still don't know that it's going to fundamentally change the status of a program. And all of a sudden, 
Iowa just really wasn't going to be a playoff contender. I mean, they were in 15. They almost they were in the Big Ten championship game. They finished as the five after they lost to Michigan State. They almost made it. So like once every 10 years, I think Iowa could be a real playoff contender. I have a hard time. I think Iowa and Arkansas are great answers, and I just think it's also possible the answer is nobody. I might be wrong. Yeah, and well, listen, I will. Uh, I think people come to learn that I will be the Group of Five champion on this show. Uh, I think that UCF is a really interesting one because you've got a former SEC head coach there. You've got a program with a history of success in the last five years. Orlando is not currently a football market. And something that people don't understand is that UCF is the fastest growing school in America. So I think that there's going to be some opportunities there. Again, that doesn't mean that they're going to be better in Alabama tomorrow, but I think that there are going to be some opportunities where if you are a kid choosing between you know, inserts, uh, you know, borderline. If you're picking between South Carolina and UCF, I think it's a legitimate question. I mean, if I was a recruit, if if, they, if the UCF guys could get some Disney World endorsements and I was yeah. like, hey, yeah. I'm sponsored by Goofy. Like that would be a draw <laughs> for me. I, I, but I'm like a long snapper. What would I be? Like that's, so I don't know. I don't know that the NIL is like, let's get the Doug Maurice type of recruits. Just the guys, like the Lopez brothers in the NBA, they love Disney World. So if there are, maybe once a year, there's a recruit who loves Disney World. That's a great opportunity for UCF. Sure, sure. Well, let's move on. This is from John in Guelph, Ontario. Hey, how about that? We are international. <laughs> if you were told this year's Heisman winner was either going to be Stroud from OSU or DJ from Clemson, who would you bet on? obviously taking things into account like weapons and offensive line. If you told me that Stroud is going to be a Heisman finalist, I'm going to tell you that I think Ohio State is going to win the national title because that means that everything on that offensive side of the ball, because they have everything else in place. The only question, possible question, is the quarterback. And if he's a Heisman finalist, then they're rolling. Then then C.J. Stroud stepped in and got it done. But I also think it might be hard. I, like I just I have a little harder time with that because – that means probably then Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson are having a huge year. I, they have more hype coming in. So are they the Heisman finalist? Or are we in a situation where it's like Alabama last year, where you have the receiver and the quarterback of the Heisman finalist? So my answer has to be DJ, because I do think if Clemson is Clemson, I think he's the guy. I don't know that Justin Ross going in is thought of as the same way you know, that Olave or, or Wilson are. So I think if I think if Clemson is contending for the national title. I think he will be a husband finalist. And he got enough experience last year that what he did at Notre Dame, it didn't look too big for him. CJ Stroud has not thrown a pass in his college football career. That's nobody's fault. Trevor Lawrence got COVID. DJ had to play. Justin Fields was fine. CJ Stroud didn't have to play. So that's just how it works. But my answer has to be DJ in that situation because I think he's a little more prepped for it, and I think he's Clemson's guy. So the one counter argument that I'll say is that for DJ, one, he has to be better than Trevor Lawrence, most likely, to win the Heisman Trophy. And that is a huge ass. Same same deal with the, with CJ Stroud, with Justin Fields as well. I mean, that's tremendous. I mean, these are the best quarterbacks maybe, you know, in the history of the programs, both of them. But, uh, you know, the one thing that I will say is that if DJ has a big year, I think that there's a more obvious receiver candidate. Now, Olave and Wilson are the two best receivers arguably in the country, but like they might split votes. 
I think that that is one thing that's going to be interesting. And that's also probably why I'd have a hard time seeing an Ohio State player winning it at all is because there are three guys who are going to be right there in that conversation. And then certainly, you know, the running back as well. Uh, You know, whereas, yeah, for Clemson, I think Justin Ross is probably the guy that you focus in on. And then also DJ is probably the guy that you focus in on. So, I mean, I certainly wouldn't bet on either of these guys to win the Heisman. But if we're answering the question, I think DJ probably has a leg up because there is so much talk and hype around those two two receivers already. This was from JD in Ann Arbor, Michigan. For you, Shahan, this podcast is a great idea. Looking forward to more. Good job, guys. Thank you for that. If Georgia beats Clemson and Charlotte, I keep hearing you and others talk about how Clemson is not eliminated. But with their weak ACC schedule, that seems hard to buy. I'm guessing if Clemson loses that game, they have no way to prove themselves again, and that opens the door for other teams out West or a second SEC team. It is an interesting conversation. The SEC is the SEC. I think the Big Ten is more respected generally from the, than the ACC right now. The Big 12 is a little bit of a wild card, but Oklahoma is not playing a game like Clemson is. So, Shahan, I mean, I, I, I do think this is something. The good thing is we're going to play this game, and we're going to find out either way. But there's going to be a... There's going to be a loser to Clemson, Georgia, and we're going to be talking about that loser in this kind of context a lot. Where do you, what do you think of what JD is suggesting here that it really might be hard for Clemson if they lose? They'll certainly be behind the eight ball. I think that's certainly the case. But the thing with Clemson is that Alabama is that team that has all the credibility in the world. And I think Clemson is right there with them, right? Just maybe half a step behind. And so if they go through and are dominant the rest of the year, I think that the committee will forgive them for what happens early in the year in a way that if it's the, you know, if this was in the ACC title game that they lose to Georgia, for example, obviously, you know, in in a hypothetical world, uh, I think it's treated differently. But Week one, I mean, we've seen the committee forgive early season losses. Now, if Clemson gets blown out by Georgia, then then this conversation's over. Clemson is out. Georgia has the upper hand. And if Georgia under underperforms, then that still means that Clemson underperformed against the team that underperformed. So there certainly is a way that this could be a clear elimination game. I think that I'm relatively comfortable saying, though, that with 12 straight games, uh, you know, if you're able to win all of those, not really have any of them be in doubt. And especially, I I think that ACC title game against, you know, North Carolina or Miami is going to be really important because that is probably your only prove-it game. But but Clemson's had these opportunities before. Clemson hasn't had a, a strong schedule in a little while, and they've had credibility. So I think that the committee will still give them a fair shot, even if they do lose that game, but it will definitely be hard. I do think it could be a scenario sort of like 2014 Ohio State, where like Ohio State had that week two loss, and then all year they were digging, 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 digging out of the hole. And then they took a 59 nothing win in the Big Ten Championship game to get them over the top. I do think it could be where we are cu- on this show, it, if especially if it's Clemson, if that's the loser, we will be talking about it constantly because they will be digging. And we will be like, oh, they won. Oh, but they only be, they only beat Pitt 28-17. Oh, I don't know. They really needed to win that game by more. Like, I think we're going to be doing some of that stuff. And as you said, if they lose to Georgia and Georgia's good, then Georgia's a problem for them. If they lose to Georgia and Georgia's not good, then like Texas A&M and the Pac-12 champ and like – or that becomes a problem for them because it's like, oh, well, you lost to Georgia. Georgia went eight and four. Like what – you know, that it really is – it could hurt them both ways – I think Clemson will lose, and I do think it very much could be a problem. And they might end up rooting for either De'Eric King or Sam Howell to be awesome and hoping that that 
foe in the ACC championship game is a top 10 team and they blow them off the field because they might be in a spot where they feel like they need that to get in because it'll be really their only chance to prove themselves because the rest of the regular season ACC schedule is not going to do it. All right, let's close with this. This is from Steve in Atlanta. We're obviously here on the college football playoff show. So your legal department didn't have a problem clearing the name of your podcast. So I live in the world of asking more for forgiveness than asking for permission. So I would say this. Here's the thing. What are you supposed to call the college football playoff other than the college football playoff? You know how like when they have the commercials like for the Super Bowl and you can tell? Yeah. The big game. It's like, oh, that company didn't pay to be an official Super Bowl sponsor. But the Super Bowl is a name. Like I don't – are we – like I guess we could call ourselves – the formerly amateur, not really amateur pigskin postseason show. But like the, the, they named their thing the name of the thing. It's like if you named a game, game. Like what else? Like I don't know. It's like we're just trying to get people to understand like what our discussion is about. So I would say we. it's just because it's a headline that we have a capital C – a capital F and a capital P. But I think really the vibe of the show is lowercase C, lowercase F, lowercase P. We're not uppercase in anybody. We're lowercase. And if maybe we'll just change it to that. Lowercase. Not and not even the. Maybe it's not the. Maybe it's just college football playoff show. Not the college football playoff. The college college football playoff. I mean, it just right? It's not. It's not a brand. It's just a thing that it is because I don't know what else to call it. Well, I mean, I know that you guys up there in Ohio, you guys are very particular about when to use the and when not to use the. But uh, <laughs> but listen, for, for me, uh, if there are any lawyers willing to work pro bono, I might need some help preparing for the deposition. Uh, this I am a contractor. I, I am not, you know, whatever part of this. Uh, this is me legally separating myself, um, but financially still interested. There is myself. some uh, there are some documents where um, your name is the only name on the document. And I left myself off there that like you think you're being a contractor. <laughs> you think that's the way you get off. We're we're letting you we're putting everything on you. You are both an amazing co-host and the fall guy, Sean Jaharaja. So <laughs> fair, fair. I think I think we're okay. I mean, we're not, you know, I don't we're not we're not trying, we're just and we're small now. If we become huge, if we become huge, then then I don't know. But I think I think we're okay for now. They look they're looking into they looked into it. We're not being blase about it. Well, we're blase about some things. Sean and I are, but we do have lawyers, and I think we're okay. And if and if we have to change the name, we'll make a big to do about it. So can't we all just get along <laughs> is, the, is the main. And, and I think in the end, Shahan, only time will tell about whether we get sued or not. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> all right. Those are our questions for this week. Thanks to everybody who sent those along. Again, we just would love to have you involved. If you're hearing this in your ears, take a buck out of your wallet. Send a text to 817-442-6789 and then ask us a question. Thanks to everyone who's a part of it. Um, I am at Big Ten Media Days this week. So then next week I'll have, we can talk a little bit about that and we can get into a little bit more uh, about what Shahan did at at Big 12 Media Days. I don't know who's going to be next, Shahan, but Iowa State from the Big 12, I think would be a candidate. And I think... 
you know, what you learned and heard about Iowa State at Big 12 Media Days would certainly inform that. So I think it might be time to get to the Cyclone sooner rather than later. Let's do it. Looking forward to it. All right. For John, I'm Doug. 